0: Hi, and thanks for uh, joining a special edition of Tuesday Talkies. It is Blackout Tuesday, and this is an important, important discussion. We're doing something different this week. We are going to be just more of an opal, open format conversation as opposed to just kind of going through segments. Uh, it's really important you know, to see what the organizations are doing to support and open up this dialogue. This is something that is a long conversation that needs to be addressed on a constant basis to affect long-term change. And this is not just a starting point, this is a point that we have to take and a serious opportunity at this moment to have that conversation going forward. There are already resources such as you know Universal Music Group, I'll bring this up here, Uh, is launching a social justice task force. And our solution Grange, uh, he, you know, talks about he uh, sent out a memo and it's like, you know, this week, yet again, we saw our society's most painful realities about race justice, and inequality brought by cruelly and brutally into the harsh light of day. This is something that is serious that we have to address. We have, uh, joining us in a moment is Jonathan Azu of Culture Collective. If you go to his website, cultureco.co, there is, uh, he has great resources on the site there. You know, it starts with the blackout, not checkout. And this is you know, all about rethinking and reframing. There's resources about, you know, how to talk about race at work. I mean, these are tough conversations and it it is okay to talk about race at work. It's how to have these conversations and it's important that we have these conversations in society and we find, you know, we have these leaders that are willing to address and bring this to the forefront. So, you know, how do we do this? What can we do? Uh, Jonathan, I, I know you're with us right now. Uh, you know, fill us in a little bit about what you, you put on the website and let's talk about the conversations and how we can address this.
1: Yeah, ultimately, I, I you know I I'm in full support of everybody in the entertainment industry and what we're doing today to take a pause and reflect and point attention towards the things that are wrong with um, so many things. I mean, there's so much to unpack, and I and I, and I think we're obviously talking about the lens of race, but there's also you know politics and great uncertainty. I think we've kind of hit, hit a wicked intersection in this country. But ultimately, I wanted to point out the fact that. There's a lot of companies and organizations that are taking time to pause our industry, but, but have never pushed the conversation of discussing diversity and culture and race within their own work environments. Even though we all actively work in an environment where it's, it's somewhat safe to assume that we're all um, like-minded as it relates to the support of diversity and inclusion, but only to the certain extent of making a donation or Putting up a post, but not willing to actually have the conversation within the work environments. And the last time we were on, um, that was on your your program. I talked about kind of the walking with intention, walking with purpose, and not just passively supporting. And part of that walking with intention walking with purpose is having clear, decisive action plans um, for your organization, your company to, to to pursue in an effort to really peel back and tear down that wall. Um, because it's inherent. I mean, you know, ultimately, we, we, you know, I I believe that we're all born into this world um, with no real perceived uh, perspectives, prejudices, and they inherently grow on you as as you're as as you're brought up. And then it gets everybody. I mean, I you know even myself. Like, you know, uh, you know, when you when you when you grow up in a household and your parents say things, right? Um, whether they're right or whether they're wrong, you're around that. Right, So you, you absorb that and you take that with you through you know, through your life and through where you work. And sometimes those perspectives and opinions um, can sway you and you don't even know it. So I think it's important to have perspective too and to hear from other people across the aisle. Um, and whatever that aisle may be, you know, that may be background, that may be opinions on certain things, um, or it may be how you grew up. But it's important to share and talk about those things because it gets you to a better world of understanding.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And it's, so what, what is like, what is that outline? And we, 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 like you said, it's like, you know, what is that action plan? I mean, and, and there's so many layers of it, but what is even that first step? What, what is that as a leader of an organization or you with your business colleagues? It's like, what is that first step? Like people are fearful it, because they they're, they, they're fearing the fact of like how to even approach the subject, so what is the first question?
1: Well, I think the first step is recognizing that the conversation has to be had, mm-hmm. right? And and, and I think that's ultimately the first step and I think it, it starts at the top, right? I always say that it's, you know, it starts at the top of any organization, whoever's running the organization, um, it starts with that person and it, 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 it kind of trickles down from there. So that person at the top has to say that this is important to have a conversation about. And I always say that like, you know, know, 99% of it's commitment and the 1% (laughs) is just (laughs) fulfilling and executing. So I think that's part of it. It's just the 99% is saying that this is a subject that we should be discussing um, in some form or some fashion. And then you can talk about how to go about doing it, how to create a safe environment, how to bring in a facilitator. um, What are things that should be discussed? How ongoing is this conversation? Are there support groups set up? you know, ancillary support groups, um, you know, that can, that can meet on a periodic basis. Um, so perspectives can be shared. And, uh, I think it's, you know, it's all super important, but ultimately it starts, it starts with that decision that this needs to be discussed.
0: Right. And, and within like the social media realm uh, as well, it's, and I wouldn't and and Sam, I I know you run, uh, one of the people who run the artist managers connect, Mm-hmm. Uh, forum on Facebook and, you know, things like this, and especially, you know, in timely manner, you know, things come to light and people are talking about like, well, this, and I've seen, you know, these great responses, like here, you, let's have this conversation. Let me explain to you what this means. Let me DM me. Let's have this conversation. Uh, what, what are you seeing? And in an approaching on like, you know, you're running a community. So, you know, Based on what you know, Jonathan was saying there. Like, how do you m- bridge that with the business and with those communities, and you know, with your colleagues?
2: Yeah, you know, it's. I think it's common to think that the entertainment industry at large is is a fairly uh, culturally aware and progressive place, and of course, that's not always the case. And we have plenty of people in the industry who don't sort of participate or just pay lip service, and it's not exactly. Uh, you know, what, this is, what today is about and what the movement's about and what activism is supposed to be about. Um, from a community perspective, I think the people that I'm connected with and the people that I've been talking to are very passionate about um, participatory action and, and um, creating space for inclusion and dialogue. Um, I think a lot of people are confused about what they're supposed to be doing And so resources like Jonathan's are super important resources that are available. I'm sure people have seen a lot, but actually acting on that is, uh, you know, sort of a psychological, uh, barrier for a lot of people that they have to kind of cross this gap into actually taking action. And that's, you know, that's just a a life matter in that generally speaking, the difference between people who achieve great things and people who don't is their ability to execute on good ideas. And there are a bunch of great ideas right now and the execution is what matters. So that's something that I'm going to be doing later today is participating anywhere that I can um, be trying to be as safe as possible and encouraging as many people as I can to be aware of the events that are happening around them, be aware of their resources so that they can take part. Um, somebody recently uh, texted me and said, "Hey, I you know I know you're going on a supply run to kind of bring stuff to people. Can I send you? Can I Venmo you some money to go and and you know support that action?" And I said, "I appreciate it, but don't send that money where it matters more. Uh, not to me. I don't need the help. Um, so things like that, conversations like that, directing people, uh, even if they're already taking those actions, I think that's uh, where where the community stands to." do its part
0: and, and Jonathan we you mentioned earlier when when uh, in, the, in the green room we were talking about you know organizations and like you know we have, we have we have we have like almost like this perfect storm that's happening right now so we have you know the covid and, and quarantines and lockdowns and now we have curfews on top of it but you were also some like you know organizations and like you know we had you know you can donate here you can donate here what are these what are some organizations that we should be looking at as this community to support in you know in one way or shape or another
1: yeah, you know, it, it, and I think we have hit, a, like I said, we, we've hit an intersection—a um, really scary, dangerous, frightening intersection in this country. And 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 um, there's so many things that need support um, across acro- across the way. I mean, you, you mentioned COVID, and there's a lot that's happening in in the Black community as it relates to COVID, right? Um, and the impact that it has on our on our community, um, and the lack of resources uh, that are in the community, and the lack of um, of uh, of access to health care um 27 million some odd americans that are uninsured the majority of them are minorities right and so there's a lot that that needs to be done you know across the way we're at kind of a dangerous intersection um you know i i i'm wearing a color 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 of change this is colors of change a mm-hmm. uh, shirt right now who do a lot of really great work and there's actually an organization that i've been getting to know um, over the last year, a year and some change, we've been I've, I've been attending some of their events and I've met with the founder, um, or with the, the person that that runs it. Van Jones actually um, of CNN founded it. But um, there's a lot of really great organizations out there, and I think that the one thing that I think we need to think about a little bit is um, is you know is the not how I contextualize this um, the thing that we need to think about is. There's multiple, there's multiple fights here, if you will. Um, And I I don't want to get into politics, but ultimately this is a, this is a precursor to, to, to where we'll be at at the end of this year. Um, And I think the faster we can organize and have this conversation about race and culture, the better prepared we are going to be for what's going to be the next battle in November when the selection comes
3: because mm-hmm.
1: this will be used as a tool um, to help divide. And I'm already seeing it and that's the scary part, right? So ultimately to answer the question, I think it's about finding organizations that can help us get to the point of, ha- get to the point of having a conversation about race and not that you can just have it over the course of a couple months and completely you know, leapfrog 400 years of oppression in some form or fashion right but we need to do it quick we need to do it um uh you know abruptly if you will and bring it to the forefront because we do have another major hurdle in my opinion um towards the end of this year which is this election you know um you know this country is going to be pretty divided race is going to be a big calling card as a part of it
0: well, and, and on top of this, you you know with with the officer that's being charged, then there is going to be a trial. then there is going to be a verdict. So you know those are things and in the past and we've seen we've witnessed you know again issues. so it's like it's it's not that this ends here this you know or in the next week or in the next month. it's an ongoing dialogue. Uh, Stephanie, I know and, you and, and, and,
1: and just started and it's going to happen yeah. again this just Mm -hmm. just got caught on film. Like it's it's inherent, you know, it's kind of like that, you
2: know, the the gravestone that says, I told you I was sick. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, that was, it was was last week and it's happened every day since. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so Stephanie, I I know you, you've been, you know, there, there are some things that you've been seeing and, you know, so, you you know, chime in on like what, what you're seeing and like, you know, different outlooks uh, on this.
4: So before I say anything, I want to say that this week has been all about me being a student and seeing how my neutrality in the conversation of race um, has made me complicit. And I'm going to speak very personally and about myself. And I'm really turning to women of color to guide me on how to run an anti-racist business. And in this conversation, I, I want to speak to artistic leaders, creative entrepreneurs, small business owners, and share with you what brilliant women of color have been teaching me. Specifically, um, I want to shout out to Trudy LeBron, who has been making it her mission to educate white leaders on how to have an actively anti-racist business, having anti-racism as a core tenant of my business. This had never occurred to me until this week. Like, what a gift to have this knowledge. And what I'm learning is that anti-racism is an explicit way of being that is intending to disrupt racist behavior. And my business needs to have values that are driven with anti-racism, that I need to be more than intentional. I need to be explicit in the values of my business, that my business is anti-racist, that there are no questions on where I stand. And I would also offer that as a first step Going back to what you were saying, Jonathan, like really reevaluating what your values are as a business. I know that's certainly what I'm up against this week and making sure it's so clear that I run an anti-racist business.
0: And that's important. So, yeah, Stephanie, if you have like, you know, links to people we can share, like, you know, who who are these people that we should be looking to to. And like any of these types of organizations, people like you know that are that are stepping up and are leading this way. So uh, yeah, if we can add that in, we'll add that into the show notes. Uh, Dave, uh, I know you 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 were going to see if your girlfriend can make it as you know as a performer, artist, band, everything you know. And from what your perspective, what what are you seeing from from your area?
5: I can only I can only give you my own perspective. And um, so my perspective is just what it is. You know, I grew up in Bensonhurst, um, it was a super racist place in the 80s and the 90s, all run by the mob and the mob just hated black people for whatever reason. And I also grew up right by the projects, which was just all black people in the, in the Marlboro projects. So I saw a lot of racism and I grew up with racism. You've seen any of the Spike Lee movies. I mean, that's exactly how like it was. And um, my, one of my first memories ever in life was um, 1987. Um, Yusef Hawkins was like killed um, around the block from my house. And I remember my parents explaining that to me, like, okay, this is what just happened around the block. And then uh, Reverend Al Sharpton came and marched around my, my block. And, you know, we all sat on the stoop and and they explained it to me what it was. And I just remember it not making sense to like, why would they do that? Why would these Italian kids want to do that to this black person? So it didn't make sense to me. Right. So I'm just going to give you a couple of concepts and, you know, hopefully you'll take, um, something from these concepts. So now fast forward to school, right? Public school. And I used to go to, my parents are very into health food. So I would go to school and my parents would give me like soy milk cartons of, you know, soy milk. And nobody had soy milk back in the days, right? So I would take out my lunch and whip out my soy milk and all these Italian kids would be like, what's that? And i would be like, you know, it's soy milk. And they're like, you know what? Soy milk, we've beaten you up. So I'd have to fight Italian kids because my soy milk was strange, right? And now we live in a world of almond milk, coconut milk, soy milk, rice milk it's not strange you know and so i feel the same thing about the times we live in now it seems it's like in 50 years and 100 years we'll look back and we'll be like man like humans like so silly so stupid you know what i'm saying um i'm in an interracial band the uh, shinobi ninja toured for years seven eight years in a row toured all over america lead singer is a beautiful black female and I got interacted with a lot of racism, you know, in small towns of toward in the south and toward in all of these different places. And I, the thing I found, I'll give you just one example. We were in Erie, Pennsylvania. And we got off the stage and this white guy comes up to me, like kind of, you know, hillbilly type of guy. He goes, hey, man, you guys are you guys are great, you know, but um, I never met a black person that I that I liked. And I, and I looked at him. and I said, like, why did you just say that to me? You know what I'm saying? And, but I kind of felt in the compassion in my heart, like you just haven't met enough black people. That's what it is. And I think it's like, you know, it's fear. You know, and the opposite of fear is love. And compassion is so important um, for our human race, you know, to, to to get to where we need to be and where we will get to. It's it's really about teaching. It's about teaching the next generation that the next generation, this generation, maybe is fucked. You know, the, those old white guys in, in politics, they're going to die, you know, and they'll die with that racism. I hope that the next generation won't learn that. You know they'll grow up watching TV and be like, you know what, like that seems silly. These are my Facebook friends. Why would I hate somebody that I'm friends with on Facebook? You know, so that's just how I, how I've seen things. And um, one other thing is like growing up watching I Love Lucy. They always smoked cigarettes, and then uh, it became that you couldn't smoke cigarettes anymore because people were dying of cancer. But back in the days, they didn't know that, and they thought, oh, smoking cigarettes super cool. Racism's not cool. You know what I mean? Like living with fear is not cool. And and I know that. We will get there as people because we will teach with the love and the compassion. And the generation that grow, grows up now, my daughter's mixed. You know, my, my girlfriend's black. The generation that grows up now, will, I hope, will not grow up with the racism that we grew up with because they'll see these things and go like, this seems really silly. You know what I mean? And I hope that, that that's going to happen,
2: you know?
1: Yeah, and right? just, to, just to build on that, I think that um, that that diversity and inclusion is, is, is so important across all aspects of life. You know, and I think you're right. I, I I grew up in the Midwest, you know, um, and went to school in Iowa and <laughs> it was pretty interesting. I mean, I definitely like, I, like, like I met people who had never met a black person before and I was like the first, you know, and their, their, their notion of what it was was different than what they saw. So if we can inter, you know, do a great job of integrating diversity and inclusion into the workplace and into entertainment, into what you see on television, you know, um, and it wasn't when I, I remember meeting this person that they like, you know, their their notion of what black was was what they saw on television. What they saw on television was a very narrow perspective of black culture, and they couldn't identify with it. To your point, right? So to them, it was just like I just thought all black people were like this, and you're different. And I'm trying. They're trying to contextualize why that is because that's all they ever saw. So the more we can have, you know, black culture, Asian culture, women integrated into all aspects of society, film, TV, not just on the nose of, you know, I always like, like, um, there's no reason why there, you know, there, there can't be a show about, you know, I don't know, just making this up, a show about plants that has nothing to do with, black culture on the nose but it has black people that like horticulture <laughs> you know what I mean? like it, is, it doesn't need to be so on the nose because it, it, it needs to be you know purely integrated so I, I think that that will help you know tear down those barriers um of people walking up and saying I, I i just never met somebody that i liked about it from a certain culture because it may be one perspective of that culture that they understand
0: yeah it's fascinating yeah and and it's like how do incorporate that conversation and integrate and that's really important and Ayesha I, I know you uh, you had something you wanted to discuss so what what have you been seeing well, you what are your know,
3: thoughts? I'm picking up on what Jonathan was saying earlier uh, mentioning this idea of right and wrong and how as you know tiny children we come with a pretty clean slate on that I think that's so essential in this time because we're really seeing an incident and a series of incidents following it that are putting right and wrong in such crystal clear light. And today, you know, I'm really glad that, um, this, um, what today is, is this pause and a silence in a good way, a kind of silence where you can go inward and connect to that sense of right and wrong as a way of guidance. Because in addition, um, to what we're seeing, there's also a lot out there I'm seeing that I'm concerned about as far as um, traps, ambushes, um, you know, the very fact that this is all going on during a deadly pandemic is significant. Um, as we were talking about earlier, you know, COVID is disproportionately affecting um, people of color. So. That's something to think about. And I know for me, when I look at the people out there um, being soldiers in this protest, um, I'm talking about the ones who are legitimately protesting, not, you know, the people are taking advantage of this as an opportunity to loot or taking advantage of it as an opportunity to ignite a kind of civil war. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of agent provocateurs, but the people who are out there Legitimately defending this cause and expressing themselves about this cause, they're people I want to see alive in November, and they're people that I do not want to see on a ventilator. So I really hope that um, you know care is being taken there, and it's good to get silent for that too, and to know clearly what your next right step is. You know, Um, we can serve this cause in, in many different ways. So. Yeah, just getting quiet and getting connected with that and what's true for you, I think is so important.
0: And that's what the today was about is it was about settling and it's like reflecting and opening up in the community. And that's why, you know, I'm, I'm you, know, you know, thank you, everybody, you know, for coming in, because it's a conversation that needs to on, be ongoing. And, and Jonathan, you know, what? what is something, and I guess, you know, we can kind of make this a little more of a wrap up now, but what is it that like what we have here? So we've been doing this show and I've had you on, what are some ideas or suggestions that you have that we could be doing to help this and engaging that conversation? And, you know, do you have people that, you know, I could bring on as guests and people that you can refer and like, we can have these types of conversations
1: yeah I, I think it's important to to for you to to have an ongoing scheduled open form conversation that's structured and maybe have guests on that can can talk about or help lead perspectives on certain topics. there's so much to unpack that that's mm-hmm. i mean I'll be honest with you the, the what keeps me up at night right now is just that we have financial uncertainty we have health uncertainty we have um you know we have, in, you know, obviously inherent, you know, racism, which 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 has always been there. It's kind of like I always compare it to, uh, to uh, chicken pox and shingles. Like you, you're always a carrier, right? <laughs> and then something happens where it just exposes itself and it becomes a big thing, right? But it's always there, right? Um, and we've kind of hit this interesting intersection as a society, and I and and, and I, th- I think you know, Alyssa nailed it. With with uh, excuse me, Aisha. You, you nailed it in the like I we we need voters in November, and this disease is like it's it's it wreaks havoc on the body. I mean, just it doesn't take long in three months or four, three and a half, four months, we've lost over a hundred thousand people. It doesn't take much. And I feel like there's a perspective that if we can, you know, suppress the vote by getting people to kill themselves, essentially, right? Um mm-hmm. That is a that that's something that keeps me up at night, right? So border, voter suppression can can take shape in many different ways, and what we're seeing by having, you know, I, I live in Sherman Oaks, Van Nuys is just north of me. I literally have the National Guard right outside my neighborhood. I went on a walk with my son, and I like I kind of got spooked. I looked up and there's just a soldier sitting there across the street next to the mall. Um, and the fact that we're like tearing down our own communities, but yet, which will take decades to, to bring back, if at all. And we're fighting a disease that's killing our community and we have to vote in November. It's like we have a lot of work to do. We have a lot of work to do. Yeah. A ton. But you know, no better time to start than now. Mm-hmm.